welcome in to the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeap. I'm your host, Will. This podcast will explore the experiences, challenges, and lessons learned of auto repair shop owners. We'll cover every topic imaginable from EVs to ADOS, right to repair, the technician shortage, and so much more. AutoLeap is a cloud-based shop management software that allows shop owners to better run their business, increase efficiency, and grow revenue. You can find a link to schedule a free demo with AutoLeap in the show notes of this episode. Please like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Assessing customer feedback moving forward for your shop in 2024. Obviously, if you're ignoring, you know, two or three star Google reviews and what they're saying and not addressing those issues before, you know, your shop rolls over into the new year, I think that could be a real problem with your reputation in the community and then achieving your growth goals. How would you assess that piece of the puzzle in terms of customer feedback? So I have two thoughts on that. One is always answer your Google reviews. Um, I, I am a Google reviewer myself because I travel so much and I'm always, you know, staying in hotels and eating in restaurants and whatnot. Um, I became a Google reviewer and, and it's really interesting for me to be on the other side of that. Um, I always, when I visit a, a repair shop, I always leave a Google, Google review. Of course, Google's asking me for one, um, and, and I'll always leave one. And what I've observed is those organizations that, that reach out and respond to my reviews that I've left them, the way it makes me feel. I mean, I, I, I don't really care that much about that restaurant I visited in Albuquerque. Uh, I may never be back to it. The food was, was great. The service was awesome. That's wonderful. I may never see them again. So I don't really care if they get back to me or not. But when they get back to me a day or two later or sometimes that day, it makes me feel like, wow, you know, I did something. They care. It, it, it really, it has a visceral effect on my own psychology. And so I tell shops all the time, make sure you answer the Google reviews or, or any review. Now, if you have, you know, one, two, three star reviews that, that have some negativity in there, you have to be really, really careful with, with how you answer those reviews. You don't, you don't ever want to say, yeah, but, you know, customers will say, you know, I, I, I got this, this break estimate for $900 and, and, and I, I took it to another shop and they said I only need $300 worth of work and, and these guys are a total ripoff. Um, and shops are tempted to come back at that and say, yeah, but, you know, did they do a complete repair? Did they, did they you know, fix everything that caused that problem and, and all of this? Well, that doesn't help a, a consumer when they're just reading the reviews. I'm sorry you had a negative experience. Please keep in mind, you know, we always strive to, to complete the thorough repair. If you ever have any questions about any of our, our uh, estimates, you know, please feel free to, to ask us questions. Um, is, it's pretty neutral. And, and I would rather see you be neutral with a, with a really negative review, because as a consumer, what it tells me is that you're not going to overreact. You're not going to get into this, this tit for tat with me over, over a review. The ego gets in the way again there, right? Because we, we don't want to think that, you know, we always try to do our best. And when somebody calls us out and says, you know, I don't, I think you're a ripoff and we know we're not. It, it gets our ire up a little bit, but, but we have to be really, really neutral with that um, because answering the review is not about fixing that customer. And I think we tend to forget that. We're used to fixing angry customers at the service counter, upset customers at the service counter, highly anxious customers at the service counter. That's the place to fix that. In a review, we're not fixing that customer's experience. We can't do that. It's too late. We are speaking 
to everybody else going forward. And so the tone in that response is really super important. The other aspect to this too, going into the new year, if you don't already do this, I encourage you to, most shops have the ability to listen to their recorded phone calls um, from their shop. Many, many shops don't do it. If you listen to your recorded phone calls from your service counter to customers, either outbound or inbound, you will learn so much about the customer interaction that you may not be aware of. You can stand at the service counter uh, and listen to, to phone conversations, but it's one-sided. You have no idea what they're really truly responding to on the customer side. And and I think most shop owners, when they finally do, uh, and, and, and just audit it, J just listen to two or three phone calls a week. You don't have to listen to, to every phone call every week or every day. You just, just audit those phone calls. Just two or three a week is more than enough. You will, I promise you, you will find the sample that, that the, the service advisor never wanted you to hear. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a rule in auditing that if you stick your hand in a file cabinet, you will pull out the one piece of paper they didn't want you to find. And and I can tell you, I have story after story about that. It, it is so true. So just listen to two or three phone calls a week. You will find incredible amounts of information about those customer interactions, and you will find where you need to improve, either with training or with role play, you know, some sort of practice, or even just a conversation during an employee review um, or a conversation with an employee just you know off the cuff where you can improve those phone conversations and thus customer satisfaction. Great answer there. And it goes back to that theme we've touched on throughout this conversation of accountability. Circling back to the shop owner's perspective of setting goals for the new year, how can shop owners set both realistic and achievable goals for the new year? I think it's it's easy to get very ambitious and paint a picture that may not necessarily fit your current situation. So how can you kind of be both aggressive and ambitious, but also realistic on what you can achieve in 2024? That's another awesome question. And, and that is a, a battle that I that I wage almost on a daily basis with, with coaching clients. Um, it, it's so interesting to me. Yes, we when you're a motivated individual, it is super easy to say, you know what, we're going to grow by $500,000 next year and not look at the actual resources that you have to get there or not really understand what resources you have to get there. Um, generally, what our, our coaching clients do is they'll set a goal between two hundred and $300,000 over uh, the past year. And, and that's, that's a, you know, it's a big range. And sometimes it's not even $200,000 because you're limited by resources. And so for me, when I sit down at the end of the year with clients and, and we do the goal setting exercise, we, we certainly look at and celebrate last year, but then we look at, okay, so what are the expectations of next year? And I never, ever, ever set a goal, Will, assuming I'm going to hire somebody, assuming I'm going to I'm going to have new resources. Well, you know what, Greg, I'm going I'm to hire two technicians this year. Really? If it was that easy, you'd have them now. And we all know it's not easy to hire technicians right now. That's that that takes time. And, and that was one of the topics on our webinar this week was that's really important to recognize going into the new year as well. But, but if we plan for the, the human resources that we have and we identify what, because technicians make our product, technicians are really the ones that, that will, will set our goals for us. Um, because if we look at what they can produce in terms of billable hours, and if we say, okay, so you know, John can produce 10 billable hours a day for us, that's awesome. And, and Mark gives us six and, and Jeremy gives us, you know, heaven help us four. Um, we know, you know, we, we, we know, and those are historical averages. So we know this is what they do. Uh, we can then say, all right, do you think we can get John to, to 10 and a half or 11? 
do you think we could get Jeremy his current four? Can we get him to five? Can we get him to four and a half? And and so we set very, very realistic, small baby step goals. Because when you do that, you know your billable hours, you know, you know what maybe you can bump them up to, and then it's just math from there will tell you what your yearly goal should be. But the important thing about the baby steps is you now need to go to that employee and say to that employee, hey, what do you think? Do you think you can do another half hour every repair order? Uh, nobody's going to tell you no, because a half hour doesn't sound like very much. They're going to go, well, heck yeah, I can do that. And then the shop owner can then say, okay, let's talk about how you might do that. And, and it leads into that, that coaching conversation that you as a shop owner need to be a coach, you need to be your own internal coach. Uh, you know, look, if you do a little better job with inspections, how about we have a shop meeting and go over how everybody does inspections? We can gain that half hour. Um, and, and an hour to a, a master technician who gives you 60 hours a week already, no big deal. Yeah, you want another hour from me? I'll get you another hour, no problem. You know, they'll sell another two or three tenths of repair order to get that. They know already how to gain that hour for you. Um, but but really for me, it starts with billable hours and it starts with technician. So it's it's really important to start with with the billable hours and the and the technicians. Now, if you want to to see how big you can go, uh, we have at Shop Pros what we call the, the productivity calculator or the production capacity calculator. And essentially what it does is, is it tells you how many billable hours potential that you have. And it, it makes assumptions and, and you can do it a couple of different ways. You can say, look, you know what, if every one of my technicians gave me eight hours a day over 251 days in the year, then here's how much money I can make. Or based on my current productivity percentage, here's what's realistic in terms of the money I'm going to make. How, how can I bump that goal up? So it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a I won't say a, a, it's not complicated. It's a more complex mathematical process, but we have calculators for that. And, and it's fun to play with that calculator and just see, you know, if I hire a technician, then give me 10 hours a day what your shop can actually produce. And so it allows you to do what, what we all call a gap analysis. You can see where you are right now at the end of 2023 and what your ultimate capacity is based on the number of, of technicians you can put in an active work bay. Um, and, and then you can see the difference between those two. To your earlier point in your question, you can't cover that gap sometimes. You can't just go from where you are today to your maximum. It, sometimes it is way too much. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's it's a $150,000 uh, difference. And hey, you know what? We'll get you there in a heartbeat. We'll get you there by June. Um, other times it's a half a million or a million dollar difference, believe it or not. And, and that's going to take a lot of baby steps. So Again, if you go get a coach, they can talk to you about these things. If you go, if you have a group of shops in your area and, and you all get together for coffee once a week or once a month, everybody can talk about these things. But it's a, it's a matter of understanding where can we get to, compare it to where we are today, pick something in between that's reasonable based on human resources. You mentioned earlier the importance of finding a partner. How can you run by this type of information, you know, your your plans, your evaluations for the shop, setting your, you know, realistic yet ambitious goals? Can you run those by a partner? What would that look like? And how can you kind of cross-reference with a partner to hold each other accountable uh, within your own business's goals and then kind of also push each other to take things to the next level? So I will, I'll answer that selfishly from 
from the shop pros perspective. What what I have come to the conclusion over doing this for 34 years is that uh, it used to be go get yourself a coach. And and coaches can certainly do this and they can hold you accountable and they can do the math with you and, and all of this. What I what I eventually came to the conclusion of is that a coach isn't always enough. That that a shop group a group of other shops that you can lean on that that do what you do every day, that feel the pain that you feel every day, that that can help celebrate your victories with you is really important. So so what we do in answer to your question at Shop Rose is we use a group coaching model. So you've got a you've got a coach, you've got somebody that can that can guide everybody in the math. We've got the software tools where we put these numbers in and it does math for you and it, it shows you where you can go and, and, and you can track your goals. You put your goals in there and, and, and it helps to hold you accountable and all that. Then you've got nine other shop owners there with you that can also help hold you accountable. And, and sometimes you feel accountable to another shop. Sometimes you feel accountable to the coach. Most of the time you feel accountable to the entire system. Um, I have known shops that, that did have other shops in their area that were high performers, that understood a lot of this, and, and they would get together as a group. Many times those groups of shops would attend training classes, and, and that's kind of where they would have these discussions. And, and it was a, it was a you know, a once in a while group coaching is really what it became uh, because shop owners, you would hear shop owners share this information with other shop owners. And, and, you know, me as a facilitator in the classroom would, would stick my two cents in because that's what we get paid to do, I guess. Um, and, and a new owner or a, or a, an owner that really was motivated and, and wanted to get to the next level, they'd walk away with something concrete. So, so if that is something that, that interests you, depending on your personality and, and where you are geographically, um, I, you know, I always encourage finding a group, at least find a, a coach. There's a lot of coaching programs in the industry, or if, if, if you're not interested in that, um, find another shop that you feel like you can talk to. But the problem is you've got to find another shop that has this knowledge. That's the thing. If the two of you are at the same knowledge level, you're just going to talk about the same stuff day in and day out. And, and if you find a shop owner who's really motivated and into reading and into watching these webinars that the industry does and, 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 and you know, watching YouTube videos and, and all this, then, then maybe you can find that accountability partner that you can talk about this with. But really, if you really want to talk about your numbers and your growth and, and management practices, it will lead to growth because the numbers aren't enough, Will. The, the, the numbers... The numbers are the numbers. The, the, the math doesn't lie. It's, it's like fixing cars. Cars abide by the laws of physics. Problem is we use people to execute on this stuff. People don't seem to abide by any laws as near as I can tell. Um, they're, they're this warm, amorphous, fuzzy blob of goo that, that just when you think you have them doing what you want them to do, they'll go and do something you never saw coming. And, and so you need to learn to manage around these numbers. You need to learn to manage people to get to these numbers. And that's where these coaching groups really do come in uh, because there's a lot of advice in there. There's a lot of experience in these groups. And, and so I, I, anybody, any shop that ever asks me that question, I say, go find yourself a coaching group. That, that is the first thing I tell them to do. Everybody that has had a coach will tell you the same thing. I would pay twice the amount of, amount of money again to do this all over again. When you, when you first go get a coach and you find out what kind of money it costs, you just, you, you turn your back and you walk away and you go, there's absolutely no way I'm spending that kind of money. That is absolutely foolish. And so let's say a program will cost you $25,000 a year. Sounds like an awful lot of money. 
But the dirty secret in coaching around everything we've talked about in this podcast is that there's so much money left on the table that these coaching organizations know that they can charge whatever they want because they know they're going to get you two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars a year easily, sometimes even more than that the first year, um, because that's where the biggest gains can be had. So you and I, if somebody offered us two hundred fifty thousand dollars, if we handed them a check for twenty five grand, we'd probably do it. And and so everybody that's gone through a coaching program will tell you the same thing. Um, and so if a shop's on the fence, I, fence, I say, look, you know what? Here's the shop. Go call them. Tell them what they would ask them what they would tell you, and and because uh, I know what they're going to tell you, uh, and and we hear it we hear it every day. So you've got to you, you've really you've got to reflect. You've got to figure out where you want to be. You've got to do the math on what it will take to get there in terms of your human resources, and then you need to go find an accountability partner that that understands some of this, um, and can and can you know, help guide you, help keep you on, on the path. Wrapping up here, can you share with us on the practical side of this review process and planning forward for 2024 from a shop owner's perspective, what are three practical tips that they can use to effectively prepare their business for the new year? You know, one, that, that reflection piece, sit down and do the math, sit down. Yeah. You know where you're going to end up this year. Even on, on December 1st, you know where you're going to end up in 2023 and, and, you know, close enough. And so you look at that number and then add 20% to it. Add 20% to it. Most shops can gain 20% year over um, and, and start there. And, and then once you get your new number, figure out how many billable hours you're going to need to increase business by to get to that new goal. Uh, and, and where the discussion goes from there, I, I, can't, I can't surmise from here because it could go in a marketing direction or it could go in a personnel direction. Um, but at the very least, sit down, do that gap analysis, you know, t- take what we did this year, add 20% to it, and then do the math on how many billable hours you need there. That's, that's number one. Number two, I would plan to have conversations with your employees at the very latest in January. I would rather do it in December. Even if you don't have a, a formal employee review program, once you understand your goal for next year, sit down with each employee individually and talk to them about what that goal is and what their role in attaining that goal is. People need to know where you want them to go in order for them to get there. And if you don't discuss that with them, you're going to get the exact same thing you got from them last year. Okay, so to do that, do that goal setting and that gap analysis piece and then sit down each employee and, and have a conversation with them about what their what their role is in all of that. And then the third piece of practical advice, examine your marketing. I, I think January is a great time to examine marketing and set a plan for the year. Our coaching clients are never allowed to stop marketing. And, and, and I won't get into why, but marketing is incredibly important, even if it's just to existing customers to stay in front of them. The average number of customer visits per year has dropped to 1.3 every year. So that means the average customer is visiting your shop once a year. You need to stay in front of those customers. And and so I would include in this a marketing plan because you can have a goal and you can fire your employees up to get there. But if you don't have the cars to get there, you're just going to, you're going to destroy their morale. Um, There's a lot more to it than those three, of course, there's a lot of nuances in there. But if you don't do anything else, do those three things. 
it's a great place to leave this conversation. And we really appreciate your time today, Greg. Where can people find you and learn more about Shop Pros? Well, they can find Shop Pros at shoppros.com. That's got two P's in the middle of that. Um, and and we, you know, we have we have group coaching that we've been discussing here. We've got software products, we've got learning products, both for service advisors and for technicians. Um, and our mission is to really help shop owners' dreams come true faster. That that's you now we we can we can make you two hundred thousand dollars plus next year on top of what you did this year. That that I have no doubt about. Um, and then you know you can reach me at greg.marchand at shopros.com if anybody wants to get a hold of me personally. Thank you very much once again, Greg. And we will be back next week with a new episode of the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeap.